0: We went in person to Facebook's office in New York City and we saw an empty conference room and we brought a bag of swag and we laid it out on the table without permission and people were coming by just imagine you you're walking in your office and you see an office of people you know have swag you assume that they got the approval but we didn't people would stop in and say what are you guys doing like, oh we're selling swag you guys need anything and somebody came in that first day and wanted to buy from us so we made that first $3,000 sale it didn't matter we, we pretty much gave it away I think we made about like. margin on it, like nothing. It was about getting in the door because the logo of Facebook was worth more than anything. Welcome to Sit
1: Down Startup Founder Podcast, where we interview top founders on all things growth, retention, expansion. It's our goal to help you learn from the best by hearing exactly what they did so you can apply those similar approaches to your seed and Series A company. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, former founder and Silicon Valley VC. I currently manage VC and startup partnerships at Zendesk for startups here in Silicon Valley. Zendesk for Startups offers six months free for all things Zendesk for all qualified, high growth companies. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jeremy Parker, the founder of swag.com. They recently sold to Custom Inc. My biggest learning, start at the top. He said most founders think for their first customer, they need to start small and then build up over time and eventually get the big brand name logos. But they flipped that on their head and their first customer was Facebook. And then he said the next customer, WeWork. When they went to sell WeWork, WeWork was like, well, why should we trust you? And he's like, well, we have Facebook as a customer. Jeremy seemed to put on this identity that we are a great company, able to service these high-level customers, and then they worked their way into it. They did it in an industry where there's over 30,000 competitors selling swag products. Of course, you ask, well, how did they get Facebook as their first customer? As you just heard, they did that blitzkrieg approach by going to Facebook, in-person, once again, a common trend that we keep finding to get that first sale. It's a great episode. You're going to learn a lot. Shout out to our top partner, WeWork Labs. You've all heard of them. Their labs program has expert advice, mentorship, live education sessions, on-demand learning, and an incredible global community. Welcome to Zendesk Startup Podcast. Uh, I'm really excited just to share your story of swag.com and the successful exit that you had to Custom Inc. .com. So, I'm just before we kind of get to some of the growth stories that you did, I would love to hear when did you actually found
0: swag.com? I found it in early 2016. So, January, right at the beginning of the year. And maybe give you a quick background of my, my history a little bit. So, I have a somewhat interesting background for an entrepreneur. I was a documentary filmmaker in college. So, when I went to Boston University, my documentary film won the Audience Award at the Vale Film Festival. So, I was this young filmmaker, and I remember I was on the top of the mountain, and we won this big film festival. And I remember the next morning, I went to the brunch, quote unquote, celebrity brunch. And half the room were these big celebrities that everyone's heard of, and half the room were these struggling artists. And I did an internal gut check and I asked myself two questions. I said, Number one, am I that good? And number two, do I love it? And both answers were no. I didn't, even though I just won this film festival, I didn't think I was that amazing. And I honestly didn't feel the love that I wanted to do this for my whole career. So went back to school. I was a junior in college at the time. And I started to think about what I wanted to do. And I know business experience. I was mostly an artist. And right after I graduated college, I started my first business. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I thought, what if I started a t-shirt company? Because then I could learn how to manufacture. I could learn how to do PR and marketing and build an e-commerce site. And I thought that would be a really good entry into entrepreneurship. And I could learn all the stuff I was good at or bad at or things I really enjoyed. And I launched this t-shirt company called Tees and Tats, horrible name, but it was a, a tattoo apparel t-shirt company and it was $250 t-shirts, really expensive. And we were selling to all these high-end stores and this was in 2007. And if I could take you back to 2007, this is when the recession hit and all the stores we were selling to went under. So it was for the worst time to launch the company. We launched like three months before the recession hit. And during that time, I thought, well, I gotta keep my business afloat. So I started thinking creatively. I figured out this kind of gimmicky, a marketing strategy to tie the prices of the Dow Jones to the prices of my t-shirts. So as the Dow dropped, we would give a discount on their t-shirt price. And it was a little bit gimmicky, et cetera, but I was 22 years old. I wanted to get some marketing and I started reaching out with this story to all these blogs. And Mark Cuban from Blog Maverick, and obviously Mark Cuban, world famous entrepreneur, wrote about this in this blog. It got a lot of exposure. It got picked up by AdAge and ultimately introduced me to the CEO of a very large promotional product company. And that's how I got into a long roundabout way of how I got into this promotional product industry of swag.com. I met the CEO of this really large company, learned about it, fell in love with the industry. And then you fast forward 10 years, I had this idea for swag and I thought, I feel like I'm the right person to do this business. So started the business 2016 and now here we are.
1: That's very cool. What were you originally doing at Swag.com? Did it have like a massive pivot at all in terms of what you started out with?
0: So Swag.com, we started the business in 2016. And the idea for Swag was, I want to streamline the entire experience for today's buyers. That was the big aha moment that 10 years ago, and I was 22 years old, now I'm 36. 10 years ago, when I was working in the promotional product industry, I realized that it was a very fragmented industry. Everything was reliant on back and forth emails, presentation decks, phone calls to close sales. And the buyer was much older. It was like a 45, 50-year-old office manager. Now you fast forward 10 years to 2016, everything is still very much fragmented, old and broken, but the buyer changed. And that was the aha moment of, Well, if the buyer is now a 23-year-old millennial, they probably want to do things very differently than the 45-year-old. So I started to learn as much as I can about the buyer. I didn't know who we were going after. All I knew was I want to sell swag to corporations, but who at the corporations are, are the swag buyers? There's so many different divisions. There's the HR team and the marketing team and the sales team, the office manager. But who'd you go for first? So when we started the business, we didn't know that answer. So we wanted to learn. And I also didn't know exactly what the right product should look like. So the first year of the business, 2016, it was all about learning. I spoke to well over 500 office managers, marketing managers, sales reps, everyone in the organization to try to understand their pain points. And what I learned very quickly about like two or three months in, everyone's going after the marketing teams because they have the biggest budget, but no one's really going after the office manager. And there's this sweet spot of the office managers within organizations have big budgets, not even close to as large as the marketing teams, but that's okay but they're not as targeted. And I felt like if we could go after the office manager and give them a great experience, that will be our Trojan horse into the company so that we could expand. If the office manager buys 100 t-shirts for their company and they're giving out all these t-shirts and every t-shirt says swag.com and label. now the marketing, the sales team, the London office, all these different departments will now know about swag and that they'll say, wow, the quality is really great. We should be buying from them. So our strategy from the get-go is get in the door and then expand in any way we possibly could.
1: Very interesting. So just tell us quickly the exit that you had, just anyone who's listening who's not aware.
0: November of last year, so about a few months ago, I can't say the exact price, but we were acquired by Custom Inc., the largest player in the promotional product space. Last year, we did over 33 million of sales. and, And this year, we're on track to do 66 million plus in sales. So every year since we started the business in 2016, we grew over 100%. So we're from like 7 million to 15 to 33 and now we're really on track to, to keep doubling and there's just so much opportunity and so much room to grow. And to put things into perspective, we just hired really our first sales rep 12 months ago. So we're doing 33 million of sales and we're just hiring sales teams. We just hired our first account manager a week ago. So we're really skimming the surface of the team, the structure, and what we're able to accomplish. But we made the process really easy for customers to go on their site, buy swag, self-service completely, whether they want to ship the swag to their office or whether they want to hold it in our inventory and then distribute the swag to all remote addresses. So we have major companies from Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, TikTok, Spotify, buying swag, warehousing with us and distributing it globally.
1: Congrats. This is really cool. And I love this the beginning like, to ask the main question what's one of the most impactful strategies that helped you grow. And it sounds like it's the research that you did just interviewing those 500 people and then selecting on the office manager. Could you kind of give me that timeline? So you started in early 2016 yeah. and what is your initial mission for Q1? Is it, Hey, let's not sell stuff. Let's go and talk to people. Or is it like, Hey, let's sell stuff. And then it didn't work. And then let's talk to people. I'm just curious if you could walk us through that timeline.
0: Sure. The first three months was all about selling stuff. We definitely wanted to sell stuff from day one, but I didn't have to worry about building the platform yet until later on because I didn't really know the right platform to build. So our strategy from the first day was let's make sales. And while we're making sales, we're going to be learning as much as possible. We're going to be talking to the office managers, talking to the marketing teams. And while we're learning on how they do it, Let's make sales with them. So, our first customer is Facebook. We got into the Facebook office, we met with somebody at Facebook, and we did, I think, like a $2,000 or $3,000 order of t shirts. That was part of the strategy, also. From the get go, it's saying, well, we have this swag.com awesome brand name that we want to get in people's heads. How do we get everyone to trust us? It's all about trust in the swag space. There's so many, it's 30,000 companies that sell promotional products. How are we going to cut through the noise? And our feeling from the start was, let's start at the top down. Everyone always says, you got to work your way up. Ultimately, you can become selling to Facebook and Google and Amazon. And our strategy is the complete opposite. Let's get the Facebooks, the WeWork, the Amazons from the get-go. If everyone comes to swag.com and they see that row of logos, they're going to feel confident to trust in us. So our first customer is Facebook, got in the door. Our second customer is WeWork. We went to WeWork and they said, who else are you working with? And we said Facebook, they just probably assumed we had thousands of other customers, but legitimately Facebook was six days earlier that we closed our first sale. So we did that. And our strategy, and then we went to Bravo TV and we try to figure out, well, millennials, what brands are they connecting with? And we should get different brands, whether it's a tech company like Facebook, whether it's the new hot startup WeWork, whether it's a TV station like Bravo, there's a row of logos we thought of ourselves as uh, logo hunters, me and my co-founder, Josh, in the beginning. We would just go for the logos. It didn't matter about profit. It didn't matter about margin. It didn't matter about anything. It mattered about getting in the door, learning, and getting those rows of logos. And once we started to really understand who the buyer was, this was six months in or so, we started figuring out, well, we know at least the first version of what the site should look like. So we started building the site Q3 Q4 of 2016. So first year of business, per perspective, we did about 350,000 of sales all manually, all knocking on doors, all going up and down the hallways of we work and trying sales. 2017, January, we launched the first version of our e-commerce site. Very bare bones, pretty much nothing. You can check out on the site, but it was something to get in front of people. And we did about 1.1 million of sales in 2017. 2018, sites getting better, did about 3 million of sales. 2019, getting better, did about 7 million of sales. In 2019, we also noticed that there was a shift of work from home culture. So all these different companies were buying swag, having to package up themselves and doing the individual distributions to people. And we felt like, why don't we streamline the whole process? So in 2019, we went really heavy into the distribution platform, finding different 3PLs all over the country, doing integrations, building out this robust platform of when you're going through our sign up and you wanna check out, you buy a thousand t-shirts to your office, you click a button and now those thousand t-shirts are stored in our inventory. You wanna send it to different addresses, Upload the CSV file and we'll ship it globally. You don't have the addresses of people. Create a landing page, fully branded, send out a link that captures people's T-shirt size or address, speaks to our system, and then do permission settings and approval flows. And you can have a London closet for your London office and a New York closet for New York office and build out this really robust platform. And it really came in handy because when 2020 hit, pandemic hit, everyone was so disconnected. How do people connect with each other? So, sending swag became a very powerful tool in the later part of 2020, where everyone's so disconnected, keeping that company culture thriving, even when no one's in the office, was a big thing. And we were very fortunate that we had this platform that we've been building for two years already, ready to go. And it really allowed people to be connected.
1: Wow. I'm trying to like take one thing at a time here because I'm loving this. The logo hunting concept. Let's dive into that. You talked about getting Facebook without having any other customers because like, I feel like everyone would be like, yeah, let's get the logos and then go get the rest of the market. But we can't get the logos without some other experience. You did. Can you give us any insights
0: on that? I think it's called chutzpah a little bit. I don't know if you know the term. <laughs> was, we were, I remember we were at, at the Facebook office and we just went up to everybody. This is exactly what we did. You're talking we were-
1: about in person. In person.
0: Oh yeah. We went in person to Facebook's office in New York city and we saw an empty conference room and we brought a bag of swag and we laid it out on the table without permission. And people were coming by. Just imagine you, you're walking in your office and you see an office of people have swag. You assume that they got the approval, but we didn't. People would stop in and say, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're selling swag. You guys need anything. And somebody came in that first day and wanted to buy from us. So we made that first $3,000 sale. It didn't matter. We pretty much gave it away. I think we made about 10% margin on it, like nothing. It was about getting in the door because the logo of Facebook was worth more than anything. Making $1,000 in profit versus having the Facebook logo, it's like, who cares? And then we did the same thing with WeWork. And WeWork, there was a big thing. I don't know if you're familiar, but they had this thing called the WeWork Summer Camp. And it's like this big event. They rent out a campgrounds. They have thousands of people. And it was very important for us with our strategy to get that WeWork summer camp t-shirt. We were in nothing. We were like a month old at this point, but we need to get this because our feeling was every t-shirt says swag.com on the inner label. So if you're at 5,000 and they're giving it away all over the world, people get the shirts, they feel the quality, they see the inherent social proof. WeWork uses them, great quality. We should check out swag.com. It's like an amazing marketing channel for us. And that's the best part about swag. It's meant to be given away. It's not a pair of jeans that you wear five years you buy swag to be given away. It's the whole point. So if everything could be branded swag.com on the inner label, that's just amazing marketing channel for us. So when we went to WeWork, they asked us specifically, have you ever done an order this size? And we said, yeah, we've done similar types of orders. This is like a weekend. But what we did is we rolled, I had my grandma, my aunts and uncles, my parents roll thousands of t-shirts in my home, my parents' home, And we rented a U-Haul and we drove it out to the campgrounds. And we were selling and being the delivery drivers and being the head intern. And I think when you're just starting the business, you got to do everything. But that one contract got us, I think about like 25 new customers from that one event. So just like getting in the door and treating all these opportunities, is don't worry necessarily about margin or making money in the beginning. It was all about learning. It's about getting your name out there. It's about understanding your customer. And that's that was our only focus in the first year.
1: That's really cool. I mean, you were just hustling.
0: Yep. I, I,
1: I love that. This has been an incredible episode. Is there a final word of wisdom that you'd like to share around the decision to pick office managers versus the CMO? Because the CMO budget, I would imagine is probably like a hundred times more than the average office manager. So it seems like something everyone's missing, but yet you built a business around that. Is there any other tactics that you could share in that decision?
0: That's exactly right. I was also one to go through the CMO. I mean, when I was doing the initial pitch and I was thinking about raising money and doing all these things. It was all about getting into the marketing team, showing ROI, proof that swag has an impact. But at the end of the day, you don't always have to go exactly where you think you'll ultimately end up. You, there could be a, a roundabout way to get to the place. And our feeling was, if we go for the office manager, it doesn't mean we're turning away the marketing team. It doesn't mean we're turning away the sales team or the HR team. It's just a new way of getting in the door. And if we get in the door, then it's much easier to expand. And that's with everything. With our inventory platform, it's about A lot of the companies that we're competing against have an inventory platform now, but they have a whole long sales cycle. It's a six-month process, and they'd have to become a preferred vendor. Our strategy always is, let's get in the door with as least friction as possible and upsell. So instead of doing this long sales cycle, we have an e-commerce experience. They could check out for 24 T-shirts. They could check out for 100 T-shirts. They could get used to us without having to commit to a long partnership or membership. They just buy 100 T-shirts. And when they actually want inventory, all they have to do is click a button that says, yes, hold an inventory versus having to talk to a sales rep for six months. We just made it really easy to get in the door with as little friction as possible, upsell them. And now we're holding swag for the biggest companies in the world.
1: Jeremy, congratulations, man. This is one of my favorite interviews. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me. Really uh, amazing to meet you and great to be here. Awesome.
1: That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you want to learn more about Zendesk for Startups and our free offer, please check out our website at zendesk.com slash startups.